Hey guys, this is Robbie Rodriguez. I want you guys to check out my buds here at Ultimate Spin. Hey there, it's me, your friendly neighborhood Spider Gwen. You'd think that an interdimensional brunch date with my friends Cindy and Jess would be no big deal. Unfortunately, one of our evil counterparts had other ideas, and, well, things got a little crazy from there. We're outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, and outplanned. It's gonna take three Spider Women to get out of this one. The Spider Event of 2016 is here. Let's catch up with Spider Woman Alpha and Radioactive Spider Gwen number seven. It's time for the ultimate spin. Greetings, true believers. My name's Kyle, and thanks for downloading episode 30 of The Ultimate Spin, the one and only Spider-Man podcast for Mars Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. Hey there, this is Brian. It's April 2016, and this month's podcast train keeps rolling with a bumper episode to kick off our coverage of the eight-part Spider-Women crossover event. And this week, we've got some friends from SuperiorSpiderTalk.com joining us to talk about Spider-Women Alpha and Radioactive Spider-Gwen number seven. And we'll also announce the winner of our Spider-Gwen variant cover giveaway. As always, you can find us at ultimatespinpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the podcast, find show notes, catch up on earlier episodes, and connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. This is a show for fans by fans, and we'd love to hear what you've got to say. Drop us a line and join the conversation. And as I'd mentioned, we've got some special guests on this show, so I'd like to welcome from superiorspidertalk.com some of my fellow reviewers, Mr. Tony Goodwin and Ms. Jale Najafali. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. So thanks for joining us for the Spider-Women crossover event. So, Tony, I'll start with you. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself and the book that you're reviewing for the site? Uh, well, I am the reviewer for Silk on Superior Spider Talk. And uh, about myself, I'm a public uh, librarian in Houston, Texas by day and a, uh, an intrepid reviewer of comics and all things geek by night. And how are things going with Silk these days? Um, it started off a little shaky when they relaunched it. I have opinions about Marvel trying to relaunch things these days. I think it's kind of a boneheaded move, but, um, you know, they don't care what I think. Um, and, uh, you know, but the writing itself definitely took a, took a drop for, from what it had been. And, um, it's slowly getting better. Um, things are getting a little more focused on Silk and, and they're actually, they're, they're moving forward a little bit better. Um, she's, uh, you know, she, she's clearly a very young superhero and, and trying to get a feel for all of this. And, and, and that shows a lot of the time, but, uh, as far as the character herself goes, I, I really like her and, and think that, you know, it'll be an interesting, uh, journey for, for readers and, and fans of the, of the title. So a relaunch and kind of a shaky start is the perfect time to stop everything for a crossover event. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> if it's a well-written crossover event, I say yes. Which we will get into. And how about you, Jolly? What are you reviewing for the site? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, gosh, I feel like I'm in high school and the teacher wants everyone to go around and say something. Hi, Jolly. Like everyone can do that. <laughs> uh, I review Spider-Woman, which is doing very well right now. And I work at Nordstrom with a bunch of people into fashion, very few of whom uh, even know who Spider-Man is. So that's always an interesting conversation. <laughs> All right. With that, we should get into it. So this event kicked off with a special Spider-Women Alpha issue, oversized issue. Kyle, you want to set us up with a brief 30-second recap of what's going on in this book, and then we can jump into it? Okay. Okay. Let's see if I can do this. 30 seconds. 
The bookish opens up with Gwen dealing with some of her own petty criminals on Earth-65 and is being followed by a mysterious spider-like character. She goes to the regular 616 universe to meet up with Spider-Woman's Jessica Drew and Silk. They go on their own little date, come back to Earth-65 and have a bit of character development in a creepy little clown-like universe city place. I don't know what it is. Um... They get attacked by a giant... Ah, uh, 30 seconds, big guy. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> See? 30 seconds. It's, in my defense, it's an oversized issue. That's true. You you know what? I'm going to let you... Just keep going. I'm sorry. You to break your flow. The oversized <laughs> issue, you got you get an oversized recap. <laughs> yes. They battle an, adap- an adaptoid all wild. That same mysterious character stick, robs them of their ability to teleport to the alternate world. And we also get to meet in typical alternate universe fashion uh, their version, Earth 65 version of Cindy Moon. (laughs) Where to jump in? I think the most interesting thing is for for me, for a crossover, it's like I I don't know about you guys, I'm I'm actually getting a little tired of events. I think Secret Wars was such a big thing. Oh yeah. (laughs) And then the way it rolled out, just schedule wise, it didn't quite hit the schedule that we were hoping for. And then they did the relaunch before the actual event came out. So it's like, all right, here we go. Crossover again. And right away, I like the fact that this was not kind of end of the universe. Nothing will ever be the same again. It just started with brunch. Agreed. Um, the, the small scale of this story, I think is a very refreshing change. It really gives you a chance to get to know the characters better and to actually uh, get a feel for the interpersonal dynamics between them, which you definitely did. You, you, you got you got only the broadest uh, strokes of that during Spider Verse, the last time these these people were together. Yeah, this is definitely more of a character driven event, which is very different than Spider Verse or Secret Wars, where you don't get to know any of the characters in the story. Alpha really took the time to introduce the three distinct personalities of the characters. So here's a question for you guys. Like, we've been reading Spider-Gwen, but I haven't been reading Silk or Spider-Woman. Are you guys reading the other titles? I'm reading Spider-Woman, but not Silk. Okay. How about you, Tony? I, I'm I'm reading Silk because I'm reviewing it, and then I read Spider-Woman and Spider-Gwen as I'm able to, which lately, I, I will admit, I have, I have not I have not prioritized it in the way I probably should have, so... Um, I, a little bit, but only a smattering. How about you, Kyle? Just Gwen, really. I come in and out on Silk, and I've n- not read any of s- actual Spider Woman. Shame on you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Tra- traditionally, it's be- I think it's because I don't like Jessica Drew. Through my inter- through my what is it now? For almost five years of reading, she's always annoyed me. I might do it eventually. She's annoying. What'd she do to you? I don't know. I can't remember. It's a long-standing beef that people have, and you never know quite where it started. Do you just roll with it anyway? I mean, from from what I've been able to to glean um, from uh, Spider Woman, I think uh, uh, who, who's the writer? Jala? Is it is it Hopeless? Yes. Okay. I mean, he's he's really he's really doing some good stuff with the character so far. I'll, I'll check it out eventually. At the moment, like my comic book reading has decreased in recent months, so the only like four or five books, and two of them that I prioritize are Miles and Gwen because of 
this magical thing we have called a podcast. Yeah, I understand. I think that's where this book actually worked really well because it did set up the basic ideas behind each character and what makes them different, what makes them unique, and this really interesting dynamic that they have because they really haven't hung out together so much, have they? I mean, they certainly haven't in, in the Gwen book, and I don't think they have too much in the other titles, right? They certainly haven't in Silk, and and I, I guess I guess one of the things about this installment and this story that did kind of throw me is this kind of um, pre uh, presupposed bond between them. However, however you may want to uh, characterize it, because to the best of my knowledge, they had only met before during Spider Verse and under very kind of intense circumstances, and you know it just kind of felt like. They it, it still felt like they knew each other a little too well, and I, I kind of get the feeling that these people should be strangers a little bit more than, than they were. Yeah, particularly with um, Spider-Woman and Gwen. They seem to have that, like, not mother-daughter bond, but sort of a closer friendship than Silk and either of them. I think yeah. it's a little different, because I can't remember the exact number it was, but Jess turns up in Spider-Gwen. So I think mm-hmm. that might be why he doesn't bother me as much because it appears there. So I just got the gleam that it's happened since then. It's happened before we actually saw it on the page. It's more the whole adding silk factor to it. That seems a little odd. I mean, it's 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 odder to me to see Gwen simply because Gwen lives in another dimension. <laughs> well, even in that other issue, like, obviously because... Um, Web Warriors is a thing, and they hop uh, between. Yeah. So that's why her being able to hop between again doesn't bother me, because that's how she got to talking to um, Jess in whatever issue that it was before. So it's like I know, I've known that she can do this. It's a case when she actually does it, and this is now the second time that I've actually seen her do it. Okay. I'm, I'm actually not reading Web Warriors right now, but uh, so is are the dimensional wristwatches, as I think of them, are do we do we get any explanation of you know how they work or you know why they've still got them or anything in in that title or um again i don't i'm not reading web worries but from the last time um from when i think it was the spiderverse when they formed they just used them to protect pretty much to protect the webs so I know okay. that in other one that's there are a lot of alternate universe. Um, I think when I last read it, there was a lot of alternate universe electros. Okay, in what they were fighting, so it's pretty much more of that sort of thing. It's interesting the way the way Latour handles it for the Spider Gwen book itself. She only uses it to kind of check out to get a bit of character development. So the, she used it to go have the conversation with the main universe's Jessica Drew, just to kind of talk about life and who she is and figure out balancing her two identities. So they, they do have that bond as, as Kyle mentioned, but it hasn't been like a major plot point. Like she's journeying somewhere else to go have a battle or track somebody down within that book. Okay. Which is just part of its general quirky fun weirdness anyway. <laughs> So yeah, her using it to go get brunch is is perfectly in line uh, <laughs> with, okay. with the way he uses it. And then yeah, this this mysterious, vaguely Spider-Man looking, Scarlet Spider looking agent tracking them down. Yeah, is that, that somebody yeah. we're supposed to know? I I have a supposition, and it's nothing more than a speculation, and I could be very wrong. So, um, but I was I was looking because you you see his picture at the at the end of Spider Gwen Seven. 
And um, I was just wondering if maybe that was Albert, if that was her brother. Hmm. I mean, again, just a guess could be very wrong, but uh, that was all I got. It, it, it clearly isn't Peter Parker. I just thought it was going to be a bigger reveal. And I wrote about that in the um, Spider-Woman Alpha review that I had done as well, that I thought it was going to be somebody big, like mind-blowing, especially since I thought the revelation cliffhanger at the end of Alpha was not all that surprising. Oh, no. <laughs> Why not? Like what you, you saw that coming or was it the question? Yeah, I think they just, they just dropped too many breadcrumbs. I didn't even read the solicit, you know, read anything about the event before it started. Cause I like to go in with as little information as possible. Mm-hmm. I went back after, uh, Spider-Woman Alpha to read it. And I was like, well, of course it's going to be, you know, um, wait, do we spoil here or no? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Of course it's going to be Cindy when you read all the details about the events that they've dropped. But, um, it was just, I don't know. I think it would, they could have handled it better, made it a little bit more surprising. Even if you knew it was coming, uh, if you didn't know it was coming, like throughout that first issue of the book, it was just very obvious who it would be because they're always talking about their other, you know, other dimensions, counterparts and what they're doing. And I think she made a comment about finding herself and being really excited about maybe finding her family here. So, of course, it's going to end horribly. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those things as well. <laughs> We're having all been reading the series anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, when they meant, because the faction as an acronym, Silk, has been around. And then knowing that there's a Spider Woman event coming up, it's like, well, f- probably going to be another version of Cindy. And it was like, okay, I know this now. And I'll just I, be I- able to roll with it. I also think that just within the text or just within the narrative, you're you're seeing so little of anything, any presence related to Cindy in Earth 65 up until this point that that it's just kind of like, okay, well, we got to see something connected to her at some point anyways. And, you know, it was just, yeah, it, it wasn't all that surprising, you know. So this is a really interesting script in that, you know, so much of it is about setting them up as characters, as individuals, Jess being the single mom and Gwen trying to balance her life and Cindy just trying to catch up with her own life. And we set all that up, but then it switches gears as this mysterious agent releases the super adaptoid, this giant robot, mm-hmm. and they have to spring into action as, as spider women. And looking at the rhythm of the script, that, I mean, we should really talk about the visuals and the art in this book. Uh, and I'm guessing we have a lot to say on that. Jolly, what was your take on, you wrote the review for Superior Spider Talk. What was your take on this, this artwork? I had a really hard time writing about the art because I always want to support artists. However, it was not that great. Uh, I want to think about the way I want to say this. It was just very distracting and it detracted from the rhythm of the story for me. They looked so weird. They were unrecognizable. If you're looking at, you know, if you're looking for Gwen, the Gwen Silken Spider Woman that you know, and the faces especially were really detracting from the rest of the book because it looked like their faces were just melting off. <laughs> yeah, you had some eyes mm-hmm. kind of going in different directions, right? Mm-hmm. And very far down. Like, I mean, maybe Gwen has a forehead that that that's that low, but I don't think so. Or that wide, you know, her eyes were just very far down on her face. 
So how would you compare it to the art that's happening in Spider-Woman? If you've read any of my reviews of Spider-Woman, I love Javier Rodriguez. I think he does great work. His color, when he does the coloring, it's really saturated coloring. He has a really dynamic style. And Jen is a very dynamic superhero. She moves around a lot. She uses her fists a lot. So it really works for her style of fighting. How about you, Tony? Well, I think, uh, I mean, I think Jale nailed it in terms of the art being a distraction and uh, more than a little bit of a detraction. Um, yeah, the, the, the eyes especially, I mean, uh, I, I don't like to be negative either, but I mean, it, it kind of looked like they were melting off the face, you know, and, um, it, it, it did at times pull me out of the narrative. I think also one issue that came up was that it was very difficult at times. If, if they weren't wearing different outfits or had different hairstyles, it'd be very difficult to tell, uh, Jess and Cindy apart. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, um, yeah, that, that was, that was definitely an issue. Now, the, the art stable on silk tends to rotate. And, um, some artists are clearly better than others on that title. Um, I don't think Stacy Lee has been working on the title recently and I'm probably never going to forgive any of these artists for not being Stacy Lee because I loved her art and I thought it was, I thought it went very well with silk, but there are some who come closer and there are some who are further away and they're, they're all of varying, um, ability. So I think that. I, I think that overall, the, the artwork on this title is uh, a, a little bit below what's, what's on Silk, just kind of taking an average of the artist. Did you guys ever read V for Vendetta? Yes. Maybe it's just me. It, it kind of had, like looking at this book, it kind of had this slight retro feel, and I'm trying to figure out what it was. And maybe I think it reminded me of that kind of David Lloyd, Steve Whitaker look, um, just the... I don't know, just the kind of sharp features and the heavy lines, um, the way they're being used. I really like, I mean, the character moments, I would agree. They, I just got pulled out because everybody looked, for lack of a better word, off. But when they went into action mode and you have the sound effects just kind of bursting out of each panel and even the panel design for the fight sequence with the robot, I actually found that really exciting and interesting and new. Some cool diagonal panels they had going and even... When Agent 77 is observing them, the one page where they say, we've got this, and they hit the robot with a blast, and there are these two red circles as if you're looking through his lenses or binoculars or whatever. I thought that was actually really good stuff. Like That was that was exciting and interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think the action was very dynamic, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at some of those panels right now, and that is pretty cool. The, the diagonal panels especially, it really kind of puts you into the fight, you know? And then, unfortunately, when it's done, they all take their masks off. And it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> Next year's Halloween costume. Yeah. We can all go. I saw an unfortunate uh, comment on Reddit. Someone had <laughs> posted a panel. Uh, me and Spirited, but I'm, I'm ashamed to say it made me laugh. Um, it was Steve Buscemi as Spider-Gwen. And it was like, oh, <laughs> but then i couldn't unsee it so. i mean it it's not like it's not like good artists haven't done this sort of thing i know that todd mcfarlane uh i mean i don't like him as much as most people do but like people love his artwork and i've seen him 
I've seen him give Mary Jane the very noticeable lazy eye or, or, or even Peter for that matter. And, you know, for me, it's just like, what are you doing? You're, you're supposed to be really good, you know, but you know, for the most part, he turns out work that is in my mind serviceable and other people think that it's awesome. So, you know, everyone has a bad moment. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. We had a cameo from Otto Octavius. Is that just a cameo? Or do you think that's actually going to be a plot point as he seems to be experimenting with an octopus of some sort? I think it's dropping threads for a Spider-Gwen issue. Probably nothing to do with the event. But hopefully, I would I, I would be excited if Otto Octavius made an appearance. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about that. I mean, it didn't it didn't strike me as terribly consequential, but I don't know. They they never put things in for no reason. At least hopefully they don't. Um so yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe maybe he will turn out to be um a driving force in this story, but I I think right now um it's going to be Cindy and this Agent 77, you know. Maybe he'll be our uh, dead no more Otto Octavius. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a good point in terms of being efficient with your script because this is an oversized issue. So here's the the five dollar question for you: Was this worth four ninety nine, guys? I don't think so. Hmm. No, no, and that what that down to the art, down to the story, down just overall. It, unlike the the art doesn't bother me as much as it, it's not great. I mean, we've said that it doesn't bother me as much as you guys it for you guys but very rarely do i ever feel like the book is going to be worth 4.99 any oversized issue how often do you get them when they're like oh yeah this is definitely worth my money it just there are points where it just feels like it's going on and they just like the cindy stuff to just foreshadowing for the sake of foreshadowing so would i say buy it for 4.99 now but we're invested in this stories events so it's like of course we're gonna buy it as we wrap it up we don't really do scores on on this show we kind of try to sum up our reaction to the book in three words kyle how would you i knew you would go always be first. <laughs> it's always it's always the first. most fun that's why oh i see. um i can't even i've gone blank let's try yeah, i'm gonna have to come let's back to Jale, were those, how, were those your three words? I can't eat them. I can't eat them. Face the pressure. OMG. OMG. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Would it be easier? Just uh, seven point five. I'd... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 looking at it, and I'm I'm having a hard time just pulling out three words too. Um, I guess you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's intimate. That's you know, de- definitely on a smaller scale than most of the other stories. Our, our needs improvement artistically. Maybe those should be my three <laughs> okay. words. I don't know. Oversized issue, you get extra rules, don't forget. <laughs> okay, four words. I don't want to make it tougher. Like Three is tough enough. <laughs> well, I mean, what would your three words be? Me? Um, I looked at this book as offbeat. Definitely, okay. it was unpredictable. And I would say shaky. Okay, I would I so, would agree. So we're gonna use your three words. All right, should we just? <laughs> Thank you, Brian. You've dedicated thanks for dedicating three words for all of us. Um, <laughs> I will should... humbly accept them. We should just do a word for each uh, character. A word for each character. Yeah. Oh. All right. Like well... to describe their uh, appearance in each in this book. <laughs> <laughs> not not physical. Like, just like I could probably still use my three words. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, should we call it and move on to Radioactive Spider-Gwen number seven? Yes. All right. Okay. Get, let's get. It's time to get the timer out. That's Brian Scholes as how it's done, like he does every single time. Okay, you're going to count me in? <laughs> let's catch up with the radioactive Spider-Man number seven. Our heroes decide to get organized, but after an embarrassing battle with the Bodega Bandit, Cindy wanders off to track down her family's Earth-65 counterparts. Gwen takes Jess home to meet the Mary Janes. Jess tracks down Earth-65 Reed Richards, and with help from Gwen, saves the kid from mysterious attackers. They set up base from George's house. When they get a call from Cindy... Was learned that Agent 77 is after them. That was about 20 seconds. Cool. <laughs> Kyle, I'm so disappointed in your recap now. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> he does this all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, the alternative. Shots fired. Super close to 30 seconds just to take the mic. So we get, it does it in like 29 just to show off. <laughs> it's always under 30. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, you know what? Since we were just talking about the art for the previous issue, why don't we start on the art with this one? What did you guys think of Bengal? I liked it infinitely better than Alpha. I thought um, he got the action down well. The lines are great. Loved the coloring. It seemed a lot more similar to what I see on Spider Woman than what Alpha did. Yeah, um, I mean, overall, just just from an artistic standpoint, I there's a lot more distinctiveness between the characters. Um, things just seem overall more solid, and I don't know the more more vibrant. It's 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 cartoony in places, which I I like and and think kind of works, you know. But um, you know, like I don't have a hard time telling the difference between uh, Cindy and Jess in this particular installment. For it not being such a universe-changing event, I think this is a more lighthearted approach than the seriousness of the art in the first issue. I would agree, and I would definitely agree with the description of the characters as cartoony. I think they had slightly kind of shorter figures, and yeah, it just it, I, this issue was so funny, and this is the first solo book in the series right after the, after the intro so jason latour has this interesting challenge he's got to kind of keep the characters as individuals but he's got to maintain the style of his his book and you know who's remember whose name is on the cover and so just to play up the weird aspects of spider gwen as a series i thought was the right way to go this was just hilarious from start to finish i thought i mean Let's bring into action and get a cell phone. And then, <laughs> and then they're standing around in costume trying to buy a phone. And then Gwen's arch nemesis, the Bottega Bandit, wanders in. Oh, and that, <laughs> that panel with her, just like she's mortified, like, oh, my God. And like I was laughing out loud at that. That was one of the funniest things I think I've seen in the book. And today. Jess is just like, what? What? Uh, <laughs> hell. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was, that was a great scene. <laughs> and, and just the, the whole vibe of it. I mean, again, we were talking about like, it's not a major event. And so they're not reacting like it's a major event. They're just more irritated and annoyed than in like crisis mode. Like we've got to solve this. Like, <laughs> like just the, the eye rolling vibe of it. That set well, a great I, tone and it just, the art matched it perfectly. I think that I think that especially at the beginning, um, you, you know, you've got you've got Gwen and Cindy arguing with each other over, you know, what they're going to do and how bad this all is. And then Jess just gets tired of it real quick. And it's just like, you know what? 
I'm going to go do something because I got to get back home, you know? And, um, I, I mean, to me, that first couple of pages just really kind of established the characters very solidly just, just in the, like, if you just came in and on this issue, yes, you've missed the super adaptoid and everything, but you know, something bad has happened and they're reacting to it. And they just kind of, you know, they just kind of, Jess is just like, okay, let's go. And, and I thought that was a very strong scene for her. Yeah. She, she kind of ends up, even though it's Gwen's book, she kind of ends up being the lead and driving the the story, which I found really interesting because she's taken on this mentor role sort of reluctantly mm-hmm. because she's more experienced and got it more together. And so she has her own kid, but then she's got these other kids, if you will, to, to kind of look after. And I like the approach in this book. We've been talking in the Spider-Gwen series to date about how they've been carefully building up her supporting cast mm-hmm. of characters, the band and her dad. And to, the, I, I thought he did a great job in incorporating those characters into the book with and have them interact with the characters, or mainly Jess in this case, really well. Um, and using Jess to kind of drive home that theme for Gwen, like, look, you've got a great thing going on here. Like, you should enjoy it, which is what they've been building up to anyway. So for Latour to slot that in perfectly within the context of the event, I was really impressed. I hardly noticed it. <laughs> like, and that's good. I think in the end, the, the, the event's going to be more about Silk and Spider-Gwen than Spider-Woman. I think she's there sort of to be a mentor, as you said, for the two of them. And they've spent a lot of time building up this tension between Silk and Spider-Gwen. So I think that'll probably be more of a cl- climax than fighting the other Cindy Moon will be. Than Spider-Gwen and Silk finding some sort of common ground. Or hating each other forever. It could go either way. Kyle, what'd you dig about this issue? Yeah, there's a lot of a vast improvement to the last one, the Alpha issue. I think if the family is going to be in other issues, and that will be the revelation for Awful Silk, who has her own family issues, I think as an outcome to the whole series, it will be a lot more interesting than Spider Verse, where it was every spider ever. Thunderclap. Yeah. Yeah, I found that Silk stuff honestly less interesting. I know, Tony, you've been reading it on the other end, so I don't know how much it, it comes up in her solo series, but I am so over this. <laughs> uh, th- th- act first, think later. Uh, obsessed with finding my family, even if this family did not give birth to me. Um, what, what earth is, is Gwen's earth 65. Yeah. Who cares if Cindy's earth 65 family is still alive? The only, the only counterpoint I would make to that is that when Peter Parker went over to the ultimate universe, he still wanted to see his aunt may over there. So, I mean, uh, I'm not saying it's logical. I'm just saying that, you know, if you haven't seen your family in 10 years and you get to see the, the face of the person who might have given birth to you, it, I, I, could, I could see that being a motivating factor, you know? As you can see, I'm the heartless one turned into <laughs> emotional reviewer. <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess, I mean, I, I will say this. Um, I, I, you know, I, I do have a soft spot for Cindy. I, I am reviewing her title, but I also think that her disappearing like this shows that even though she may be coming along as a hero in her own title, she's still got a long way to go. She's still, she's still got some things to work on. And, and I imagine part of that comes with being put in a bunker for 10 years. 
and, and living by yourself and only having to think of yourself. And so the fact that she kind of disappears for this issue, I was like, I mean, I was disappointed, but I wasn't disappointed in Latour for writing it. I was disappointed in Cindy for, come on, you still, you, you, you still need to focus. But mm-hmm. I also kind of understand why she did it. And of course, it appears that her doing this was, was a good thing because she seems to have found information. I think that's also one of the things that people just don't like Cindy. But I still feel like even though she is annoying, it's always intentionally annoying. It's not like it's just poor writing. This is the way that the character is supposed to be. No, yeah, I I think for the most part, Robbie Thompson writes her pretty well. Definitely better than Dan Slott ever did. (laughs) Oh, you mean the guy who vented Alpha? Surprising. Mm. No, you're right, though. I mean, this character, I was when this character was introduced, I was for lack of a better word, I felt a bit mortified. Like this is an actual character. Just like the, the premise oh. is interesting, right? Okay. Like, all right, there's another yeah. person bitten by the spider, but then she's just all about making out with making out. Like mm-hmm. really? Come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was all set to read this with my kids. I'm like, I, nah. <laughs> and, and then when she gets her own title, I, I do you remember this Jale? No one else wanted to review that title. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No one else wanted to review that title, and I was like, "I'll, I'll, I'll jump on this grenade." And I, I for the for that first, I think seven issue run, that ended up being a pretty good run. I really liked it. It's funny because I remember when it was announced because it was announced the same couple over the same couple of days as Spider Gwen. It's like, okay, we understand what Spider Gwen. She the first volume is made sense i just by the first success and then you hear silk was announced as that editorial mandate yeah that's right yep. we we threw that word around a lot and nobody would touch that book tony was the only one willing to fall on the sword and i think it paid off i i've enjoyed it for the most part this 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 recent relaunch has had it you know, and as a woman i definitely did not after reading slot silk i was like i don't even i don't even think i could say a good thing about that that comic coming out because i had such low expectations for it I do want to say um, one thing that I actually really liked about uh, Silk Number Seven. I'm, I'm I'm looking at it right now, and it made me giggle. Is the uh, when when Gwen leads Jess to her uh, to her house, and they open up the door, and then they just get hit by a wave of, of sound. <laughs> that was great. That whole scene was great. Her band is there, and they're practicing. That mm-hmm. was a wonderful scene, and so much of the humor from Spider Gwen seems to revolve around her band at times um that the this just this just fit perfectly which i love i mean that's uh, and the band you're right it's source of humor but it's also kind of sweet and endearing in a way that it's also been a source of great drama in her life you know like missing missing shows or being late for rehearsal or what have you and trying to figure out if they're friends or if they're you know frenemies yeah the (laughs) frenemies right that get visual gag was amazing. And then even just the background stuff, like the the hint at what the Fantastic Four is in this universe. They're a TV show. And like they even put the Herbie robot from the old cartoon on the cover of the TV magazine. Oh, right. Yeah. I was I was trying to figure that out. But okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> or President Howard the Duck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that that kind of stuff. Like this is the little the little tiny bits of world building that he manages to just throw in are great. The what was it? The sophisticated She Hulk, right? You know, <laughs> which I thought of Kyle because she's a she's a wrestler. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm surprised I'm not made in. I think that comes as a wrestling reference for the episode, so done. Done. Don't need... <laughs> but yeah, all this, all this weird stuff. So by the time you get to that beautifully surreal scene in the playground with a young Reed Richards doing these funky bubbles that have trapped other kids, it's just like, of course, <laughs> of course, that makes sense. I like how he's got the little touch of gray on the sides, too. (laughs) Even though he's a kid. And even the way he was introduced, I love the fact that he's just so matter-of-fact about interdimensional counterparts. Like, yeah, I'm Reed Richards. Of course I get this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the smartest man in any dimension. That's right. Yeah, one thing about Rodriguez and Latour is that they really get... They understand the characters in 616, but they put such great spins on them in Earth-65. You can recognize your characters, but they almost make them more fun because they're they're working with a completely fresh outlook on it. We had talked to Robbie. He had a great term for it. He referred to it as remixing, mm-hmm. which which really suited it. And just yeah, <laughs> you start off, you know, you start off with the name and a basic look the characters that they share with their their original counterparts. But then yeah, they've, they've taken them in such great new directions. And I love the payoff for me in this issue was toward the end, the conversation between George and Jess, where they're kind of the older yeah. figures in the story <laughs> and they're bonding as parents. And then again, driving home these themes that Latour has been exploring through the series so far, but just doing the right thing and being brave about it. You know, it's not always easy. These are great ideas and they're all at the heart of what Spider-Man is about. And I, I love, at least in this book, he's been coming at those ideas from different angles. Um, I don't know if, if you're finding those in the other titles as well. I would assume, Jess, being a mom, you're dealing with variations on that in, in Hopeless's book. Absolutely, yeah. Jess, um, Jess as a mom is an interesting read. And I think that'll come up or show up a lot in this event too because it's such a big part of her life right now and that conversation with george does mimic how much she's changed because if if that com- that conversation could not have happened even if she was taking on a mentor role back right after spider-verse because she was just a different person then yeah i i don't know i i look at silk and I try to think of the idea of family themes, and even though she may be searching for her family, and even though she may have her brother around to mind, it's really not a focus, I think. I, I feel like it's more about her trying to figure out how to how to do this and how to complete these quests, sort of. And family may be kind of involved, but it's not really a prime factor, um, which I, I kind of... I kind of see how that works because, you know, in a way she's, she's on her own and everything. Um, but it would be nice for that, that theme, which I think is, is a very big one among all the spider titles and, and, and should be, uh, to, to, to take, um, to take a more prominent role at, at some point. I think it's safe to say we're in agreement that this book is a lot more successful than uh, the alpha one that kicked off the event. Absolutely. Oh yes. <laughs> so, if you had to use three words to capture your take on this book, what would they be? Kyle. <laughs> oh, God damn it. This is this is something. This is bullying. You might think that I, I couldn't possibly comment. My, the whole time, I pretty much was going to. Ever since the last one, I was like, yeah. Easy here, better than Alpha. And then you say that 
those three words like and then <laughs> four, and like you can, I, you can say it that's fine oh, fine uh, better than alpha it's not a special <laughs> but there you go thanks brian sabotage I'm scared now <laughs> jale i'll go small scale focused and exciting nice mr goodwin uh dynamic familial funny and i will go with hilarious smart and charming yay we did it (laughs) yes one more thing of course we want to announce the winner of our radioactive spider gwen number six mary jane's variant cover giveaway the contest was to come up with a spider themed band name and just want to say a quick thanks to everyone that entered we heard from ed Veracci, nick schaefer michael terrell ford the third mason radcliffe ray del pilar and tevia smoko and our winner this time is michael terrell ford the third who came up with tiger and the jackpots that was our favorite Congratulations, Michael, and thanks again to everyone that entered. Michael, drop us a line at feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com. Let us know your address, and we'll get this issue out in the mail to you soon. With that, I want to say a big thanks to our guests, Tony and Jolly, for joining us this week. And um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys as well. Um, what did you think of Spider Women Alpha and Radioactive Spider Gwen number seven? Let us know. You can connect with us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin. Find us on Facebook at Ultimate Spin Podcast, or even hit up our website, ultimatespinpodcast.com, and drop us a line. Let us know what you think, and we'll share your thoughts in our next episode. And of course, we're looking for iTunes reviews. They help us get a higher profile, more reviews we get, bigger bump we get on the site. It's all tied into the algorithm of there. So uh, if you can take five... I don't know, take a minute to just uh, write up something, what you think of the show. And be honest, let us know. We'd love to say thanks. We'll send you a digital comic code to say thank you. All you got to do is post a review and drop us a line. Let us know the title of it and we'll hook you up. So again, Tony and Jolly, thank you very much for joining us. Um, where can we find you guys online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PB underscore and underscore Jolly. And I'm also on Instagram under that name. It's like peanut butter and jelly, so it's cute. Love it. (laughs) It is, actually. (laughs) I do my reviews for Superior Spider Talk, um, so you can find me there, of course. And then I also do a podcast called the Nowhere Fancast, K-N-O-W is how it starts. And um, it's a a Marvel Comics slash uh, MCU-focused podcast that we are – is still fairly new, and and we're – Still getting things off the ground, but we are uh, we're recording regularly. So uh, look us up. <laughs> How about you, Kyle? Of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at just Kyle MC. Um, also, website nerdsunchained.com. Nonsense and all that at nerdsunchained. Also on Facebook, facebook.com/nerdsunchained. And as for me, you can find my reviews for Radioactive Spider-Man and the current run of Spider-Man with Miles Morales over at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And Jolly, your reviews are on there as well, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Spider-Woman and all the old spy diversity articles that I wrote. And before we go, I want to give a shout out to Chris Postal at Sounds Like an Earful um, for our Gwen theme music. You can find 
his music and his excellent podcast of the same name at soundslikeanearful.com. That's it for us. We'll be back soon to continue our coverage of Spider Women. Next up is Silk Number 7. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Spin. <laughs>